Welcome in, folks, to our very first off-season episode here on Big Blue View. Today's episode is going to be a quarterback evaluation show. The goal throughout the off-season is going to be filling you in on our takeaways from the season, talking a little bit of future foresight, what we think could possibly happen for each various position group today. The quarterback group, Daniel Jones, Colt McCoy, are going to be the main names that we will be discussing on today's show. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum, and then also with me is Nick Pilato, all a part of the Big Blue View staff, which you can find all of our work at BigBlueView.com. And also, before we get into it, folks, make sure you go and hit that subscribe button and leave us a review if you enjoy listening to the show. So guys, I want to discuss our takeaways for this quarterback group, and the quarterback room itself was a very interesting dynamic because Daniel Jones had a very rough start to the season, no preseason to get acclimated under a new offense, and then on top of that, dealt with an injury in the middle of the year that really hindered him against the Arizona Cardinals, and then also put Colt McCoy in for a couple of crucial games, one in particular where they were able to beat the Seattle Seahawks. So if we're just jumping right into this, discussing some of our takeaways, the one I really want to bring up and talk about here at the top of the show is I really feel after what we saw that regardless of who is under center, it's really clear that an effective run game has been a major factor for good performances at the quarterback position or just good offensive performances in general. Their biggest win was against the Seattle Seahawks, and that was because they ran the ball very, very well. So I'm sure you guys can both agree with me on this one. The run game is something that we were talking about in a completely different light in the offseason heading into the season. No Saquon Barkley, and it outperforms our expectations and does well enough where it can outperform some of the issues at quarterback in some of these various games. I, I, I would say, yeah, definitely. The Giants quarterback position, the passing game in general, really benefited from having a consistent running game, having Wayne Gallman just consistently churn out four, five, six-yard carries, keep the offense on schedule or ahead of the change at times and really take that pressure off of the passing game to have to consistently convert second and long or third and long situations. Yeah, and the interesting thing about the Giants rushing attack, obviously with Pat Shermer, they ran a ton of inside zone. So with the Jason Garrett coming over, Mark Colombo initially coming over, we heard a lot about how the Giants were going to gravitate towards a more power gap system, and we saw that implemented. A lot of backside pulling guards, a ton of counter, which was first really introduced, I guess, during that first Dallas game with Devonta Freeman. There was a ton of counter runs, and honestly, that touchdown run to Sterling Shepard was based on the second Cowboy game off of a counter run. It was a really good play call by Jason Garrett. But being able to kind of have that smash mouth football, we're going to punch you in the mouth, we're going to run the football down your throat, assisted Daniel Jones, but it didn't necessarily bear out in the stats. And I think a big reason for that is the loss of someone like Saquon Barkley who went down in week two against Chicago without having Saquon Barkley on the field, that threat. Defensive coordinators could play more too high and they could basically focus more on the passing game because any defensive coordinator playing the New York Giants is going to circle Saquon Barkley's name like this is the guy we have to stop and that's what we saw a lot last year Daniel Jones had a much better season statistically and he was throwing the football and granted it was a different offense as well but he was throwing the football at a better rate as well so I think that loss of Saquon Barkley also really affected the passing game 
It's not going to be easy to to figure out what to expect from Daniel Jones next year when you have Saquon Barkley back. That's a really good point, though. First year with Saquon, they both benefited from that relationship, but we're not entirely sure how things are going to work with this Jason Garrett offense because it was such a limited sample size. However, the other thing I want to throw in here. One of the reasons why I think the run game is going to be really important going forward, if the Giants make no effort to bring in a big-name receiver, or if they do, one of the things that really hindered Daniel Jones' performances was just a lack of separation. You go back and watch the tape, there's a lot of plays where guys are just straight-up not open. They're blanketed in, even if it's just one-on-one man coverage, guys are just straight-up not getting in spots where they can make plays on the ball. And that led to some of those turnovers, that led to some sacks, Daniel Jones standing there holding the ball. But what we did see is on some of these play-action plays where it diverted the attention away from running uh, from linebackers because they thought it was going to be a run a run play. They were used to seeing run plays up the middle. That is what opened some things up. That's what led to some touchdowns, some big gains, even just sim- as simply as is saying first downs. Stuff like that really, really helped this offense. And I think if you in the mix, and, and I want to talk, I'm going to bring this up later. If you can add a good receiver into the mix, it's only going to help expand this offense further. But everything for me right now starts with the run game and is going to start primarily with Saquon Barkley when he comes back from that injury. Yeah, and I'll also say the Giants did a fantastic job showing or using their blocking from the run game and showing that on the play action. They would do do double teams. They would generate enough push but still pass block and really sell to those linebackers that, hey – here are your run keys. You got to come downhill. And every time they came downhill, there was that nice soft spot in the intermediate parts of the field between the safeties and the linebackers. So kudos to Jason Garrett for that. But you wish we saw a little bit more of a creative route concepts, I guess you can say, from Jason Garrett. I mean, look at that Arizona game. You were talking about separation. Arizona was playing press man, and there was no separation from these Giants receivers, and they weren't necessarily helped out too much by the play calls. When you go run out there and run a ton of space and concepts against that press man, you're probably not going to get open, even if you are a more talented type of wide receiver. So I think Jason Garrett needs to do a better job as well, maximizing the yards after the catch from certain types of receivers. But I also believe, no doubt, that the Giants need to add a wide receiver. Yeah, I think that has kind of always been part of Jason Garrett's MO as a as a play caller. He, he seems to like those isolation routes, and he doesn't go into uh, scheming guys open with, with route concepts nearly as much as Pat Shermer did just for a recent example. But yeah, uh, third voice, I I think we've all been pretty consistent on this. The Giants need a real, true number one wide receiver, preferably an X who can allow Sterling Shepard to get into the, just living in the slot, which is where he's the best. Let Darius Slayton play to his strengths. And that will also open up that running game and really just help out everybody else on the offense. But this is a quarterback show. (laughs) Right, right. We don't want to get too bogged down on that. And we're actually, I'm going to touch on that. And I, th- I think that's something that we need to talk about with some future expectations, what we think is going to happen during the offseason for this quarterback group. But Chris, what is your takeaway from the season? What did you notice really stood out to you the most from this, this quarterback group, Daniel Jones, Colt McCoy, either one? Yeah, I think just across the board, the Giants need a little bit more down-to-down consistency from their quarterback group coming up. Now that there's a bunch of reasons why they didn't get that consistency uh 
blocking issues to start the season, uh, the separation issues we talked about with the wide receivers, uh, the offense constantly playing behind the chains before they got the running game going with the smash mouth concepts and Wayne Gallman, and also just inconsistencies from the passers themselves. For the most part, Daniel Jones, simply because he played the most. You know, that's, yeah, Colt McCoy has his issues as a quarterback, but unless things go terribly wrong, you're not counting on him as your starter. And generally, you don't want to see him on the field. I've seen similar things from Daniel Jones as well, but there were flashes of Daniel Jones that I feel like give me reason to believe that he can be the future. And I'm, I'm sure you would agree as well, Chris. Yeah, and that is one of, I think, the most confounding things about Jones's game is that you can see him miss a wide receiver by two or three yards, you know, throwing out by the sideline, but then he will make a great throw down the middle like that, uh, the touchdown to Dante Pettis at the end of the season. So I think what the Giants need is, is to see a lot more of those flashes and a lot less of the oh no, where he's you know maybe placing the ball behind the receiver or overthrowing the receiver, where you know, it might, the pass might look pretty, but it isn't particularly catchable. I would agree and with that for sure. And we saw that, that a little going bit to be towards the beginning of the season when he was healthy. And then forward. towards the end of the season, there are a lot of excuses about some of his throws and maybe like that one to Sterling Shepard on the sideline. Was that a Daniel Jones underthrowing it or was that Sterling Shepard possibly not breaking the right route? It's kind of undetermined we're not really sure but you're right throughout the season I feel like there are also times where Daniel Jones misses opportunities I know Mark Schofield kind of highlights this throughout a lot of his posts and it's not anything egregious but it's just leaving plays on the field which I feel like Daniel Jones does sometimes now with that said I believe Daniel Jones showed a lot of progression in some key areas I thought he went through his progressions a lot better this season kind of not locking onto one target as much. There were some games where he did that, but I felt like holistically throughout the entire season, if you kind of look at everything, I felt like he progressed in that area. I thought he progressed in maneuvering of the pocket, and I thought he progressed in getting rid of the football when somebody's bearing down on top of him. And those are all key parts that make me feel a little bit more comfortable about Daniel Jones. Now, the statistics don't bear it out. I mean, he didn't have a great statistical season through 11 touchdowns. Okay, 10 interceptions. That's not that great, especially when you look at his season the year before where he had much more touchdowns. But I still, you look at the stats, you look at the play, I still come away feeling, and I want to see if you guys both agree, feeling that he can be a player that you can win with. I don't think he's ever going to be the type of quarterback like a Deshaun Watson or even somebody like a Justin Herbert who's younger than him who can just put a team on his back and, and and win it for you. I think he's a player that you can win with. And I don't think he's necessarily, quote unquote, a game manager. But I, I do believe that the Giants can build around him and they can have success. I even put that in the notes uh, before you hopped in here. I ended up taking it out, but I 100% agree with that. I don't think that Daniel Jones is going to be that hero ball type of a guy that is going to win you football games just strictly by his performance alone. If the offensive line's not performing, if his receivers aren't helping him, maybe the run game's not working. He's just not going to be one of those guys. I think the better comparison for his impact, and it's one that we brought up over the middle of the season, was that Daniel Jones should work want to work towards being like Ryan Tannehill. 
in his second wave with the Tennessee Titans. Tannehill's won the Titans football games. He's also benefiting from Derrick Henry in a really good offensive line in a crazy good run game. But if you just look at the mix and the dynamic of that team, he's going to be able to step in and have a similar impact. I 100% agree with you, though, that we are starting to see those flashes and there is a clear progression at the end of the season, which got screwed up by two leg injuries that slowed him down. I'm completely throwing out the Arizona Cardinals game. I can't take that game too seriously because he could barely move and the offensive line played like crap. But uh, the, the Cowboys game for me, I thought that that was a pretty clear example of what we hoped he would do in the second, in his second season, and he was able to do that, clearly showing that he was going through his progressions, making better decisions with the ball, was not super clean on his throws. There was one throw in particular that really um, made me wince because he had Darius Slayton open for a touchdown on a go route and completely underthrew him. I think that's partially because he was still favoring his leg, did not have full strength to put everything into it. But regardless, there is progression. And I think that, again, like you said, Nick, we're going to get a guy that is not going to be Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers. You need to expect somebody that is going to be able to win close football games, but at the same time does still need help from the other pieces around him to be successful. Yeah, and on that one pass, I just want to interject real quick. Daniel Jones, he, he couldn't fully step up into the pocket because the interior offensive line, I think it was Kevin Zeitler and not Shane Lemieux, which Shane Lemieux is, he's been really bad in pass protection. I really like him uh, going forward, but he needs to clean that up if the Giants are going to be a real threat because you can't have interior pressure like he allows, especially right off the snap is something that he's really struggled with. But that's one of the reasons why he couldn't fully step into that throw. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I I didn't fully look at his, his um, you know, where he was in the pocket. I just saw that it was a complete blatant underthrow. Again, I wasn't sure if maybe he couldn't get his full body into it, but the pressure itself, that definitely makes a lot of sense for that situation. And I'll say, I think the what Nick mentioned about Jones speeding up his process behind the line of scrimmage, get, uh, getting through his reads, uh, getting off his first read, which is a significant step in and of itself, and then getting the ball out much quicker. I think that definitely played a role in the offensive line's pass protection improving, you know, because we, we did still see the pockets, you know, as you just said, smaller, muddier than I think any quarterback would prefer. But we did see Jones getting rid of the ball much quicker at the end of the season than he was at the beginning. You know, at the beginning he was holding the ball for almost three seconds on just routine plays. And by the end of the year, he was getting rid of the ball on average, like two and a half or 2.6 seconds. Uh, according to NFL Next Gen stats. And that just makes the linemen's lives a hell of a lot easier. Coming up, we're going to discuss some of the future expectations that we have for this quarterback group, particularly for Daniel Jones, what we think might happen over the offseason. Before we do that, we're just going to take a really short commercial break. So now transitioning our focus from recapping what we saw this, this last year in 2020, our thoughts on the performances of Daniel Jones and some partial contributions by Colt McCoy. Let's project. Let's talk about what we think is going to happen this offseason. It doesn't have to be uh, strictly 
uh, NFL draft, free agency. Do we think someone's going to bring? They're going to bring somebody in. That's not the angle that we're trying to go for here. But how do we think things will progress? And maybe how does this group look like they will perform in uh, in next season? So Nick, let's go to you first. What do you think is? What do you think Giants fans should expect from this quarterback group, either in the offseason or next season? It's funny because a lot of Giants fans are very negative about Jason Garrett right now. And I can totally understand that because, like I said earlier, I do believe the offense was somewhat unimaginative, especially in terms of certain route concepts. However, bringing him back does provide a level of continuity for Daniel Jones that I do feel like is important. Now, I think both those things kind of clash with each other because I don't think Jason Garrett maximizes Daniel Jones, but I do like the fact that Daniel Jones will have a full offseason and it's not this truncated offseason where he can really kind of dive deep into this offense and understand it to kind of maximize his play within the Garrett system. Now, with that said, I do believe getting Saquon Barkley back, having Sterling Shepard play in the slot, and then possibly adding a wide receiver either in free agency or in the draft is just going to benefit Daniel Jones. My future expectations and what I do expect is that Daniel Jones will make a statistical leap from this season. I think he'll come back in 2021 with healthy legs and they'll continue to utilize him on the ground. I think that's the way you use Daniel Jones. Yes, I understand he's been injured in both of these seasons, but you can't just play to avoid injury. I don't believe that's the way to really go about it. I do feel like you have to maximize his athletic ability, which is incredibly important to the success of this offense. So I think he's going to progress. Uh, I think the continuity is important, but I also do believe that Jason Garrett's offense isn't the best offense to get the most out of Daniel Jones. And you brought up the key point here which is something that we've already touched on, and it's exactly what I'm thinking here. Not necessarily what they're going to do with the quarterback room right now, but more so how they're going to help Daniel Jones. And I think that this is going to be an offseason where there is going to be a major emphasis. They look, and we were talking about this before the show, you look at what happens with Josh Allen, there's a lot of comparable uh, issues that you saw in their in their second years. Both had had some flashes. Josh Allen obviously had a better second year than Daniel Jones, but as soon as they go out and get Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen takes a noticeable and a considerable leap forward. And I really do believe that Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge, their intent is going to be going and getting a talented receiver. And when you have a group that's average to below average across the board, you don't necessarily have to go get a top five receiver to completely invigorate the offense and to help Daniel Jones. At the very least, you just need to go get a guy that is better than the group that you have right now. Somebody that can at least command attention that separate from just one-on-one coverage. You need somebody that it can consistently get open, that can be a consistent option in any situation that Daniel Jones can throw the ball to. And I, I, this is a, a really good spot for them to do that. Year three, this should be a point where you're trying to turn the 6-10 and 10 success, almost making the playoffs, into a push towards winning the NFC East. And the way that you're going to do that is making some type of a splash and signing a quality receiver to join the group. Yeah, they, they absolutely need a quality receiver. And I, I would not be opposed to them going out and getting a top five caliber receiver you know maybe even multiple receivers depending on how the draft falls maybe they could get a juju smith schuster and Allen robinson or a kenny galladay or chris godwin and then double dipping and getting maybe jalen waddle who 
somehow amazingly might be playing tonight. Uh, we were recording this before the national championship game, but he's officially listed as questionable despite having ankle surgery in October. Or maybe Kyle Pitts, uh, the tight end who I personally am evaluating as a wide receiver out of Florida. You know, maybe getting one of those guys in addition to one of these veteran receivers and really reinforcing and renovating that wide receiver position. So Chris, what is your takeaway though? What do you think is fans should expect for the future of this group? I'd say the first thing is that the faces aren't going to change and they really shouldn't. Jones will be the Giants starter, at least for this coming year. And I think Colt McCoy will be the backup again next year. And I am absolutely fine with that. I actually liked the way he played when he was on the field, particularly in that Baltimore Ravens game. I thought he played better than the stats showed just because of how good Baltimore's secondary is. And I think he's a good guy to have on the sideline. You know, he can step he can step on the field and at least give you a chance to not lose, which is really the most you can hope for from a backup. And with Jones, he's going to have that chance to take that next step, but I do think year 3 is going to be absolutely critical for him and for the Giants because they need to figure out if he's going to be like Josh Allen now, maybe not take the leap that Josh Allen did this year, but at least progress in a similar manner along the same tra- along a similar track or if he's going to be like Blake Bortles or Mitch Trubisky a guy who had promise coming out of college had some likable traits maybe showed some things in his first two years and then just never took that next step that is what the Giants are going to have to figure out is you know who do they have there I wanted to ask you guys a question, kind of off script here. Do, do you believe the Giants should upgrade from Colt McCoy and maybe pursue something, maybe not to the level of a contract that Marcus Mariota earned with the Raiders this season, but something like that because Daniel Jones has shown a propensity to be injured? See, the, the tricky thing with that, in a perfect world, I would say yes. If somebody is available, maybe someone gets cut make a move for a better quality guy just so you not only maybe if if you're not entirely satisfied with Daniel Jones you could have and I'm not saying the intent is to get extra competition but if if Daniel Jones is struggling by week 10 you could put whoever this guy is into the lineup but I and it's not going to be a perfect world though the problem is right now their cap room I think doesn't allow them to do something like that they're at around like 20 million in cap room right now maybe they make some moves to get rid of Nate Solder and some other big contracts like Golden Tates to clear up space I think that if if they had a ton of cap yes they would go and do something like that but they have too many other priorities in free agency right now that they need to address and they need to spend money if they want this roster to be competitive for the next few years. That's, I think, is about where I come down. Uh, I I think investing in your backup quarterback position is always a good move because you never know when you might need Nick Foles to come in and win you your city's only Super Bowl and you know get, get your head coach three more years of life. That, that's not timely or topical at all right now. <laughs> or you know, maybe have a... Uh, you know, a Fitz magic back there or, you know, like a Teddy Bridgewater type guy who can come in and actually be a reason why you win games while your starter is, you know, coming back from an injury or, you know, whatever. But right now I think the, 
just the, like Joe said, the realities of the salary cap and roster management that might not be possible for the Giants. Now, maybe they do wind up drafting a developmental quarterback or you know, a guy maybe like uh, Mac Jones out of Alabama who you know might be able to be a guy like that or an investment you could flip for draft capital you know further on down the line are you suggesting that they do what the eagles did is that what i just understood because <laughs> that's what i just got what you just said <laughs> well drafting a quarterback when you <laughs> when you're already not invested with, in one not i'm with just the giving you a hard overall. time not with the second overall not with a second round pick okay that's fair um, well, where do you stand on that, Nick? Do you think that they are going to – they should maybe spend some money? Do they think maybe they should draft someone in the later round? Where do you where do you think they should go directionally with Colt McCoy? No, I think you guys laid it out uh, well in terms of just the salary cap situation. I would like to upgrade over Colt McCoy. I think Giant fans, a lot of them, they don't like Colt McCoy because he can't really push the ball vertically and you're a little bit limited as an offense. But I do believe there's a lot of value in bringing a veteran like that who can teach Daniel Jones – while also being able to come into the game and not get himself killed because he knows how to throw hot and because he knows how to set protections and he knows where to put certain players against certain defenses, which we saw when he did get some reps out there. So I'm due to the state of the Giants, just like you guys, I think I'm safe in saying that Colt McCoy might be back and I'm not going to throw a hissy fit about it. Right. I think we're all on the same same page with that one. Well, folks, that is going to be it for this quarterback evaluation show. Hopefully we answered some of your questions, some of your concerns heading into this offseason. We're going to continue to do this throughout the offseason until we finish up with all of the position groups. We're also going to have plenty of coverage on the NFL draft, free agency, all of that good stuff. You name it. We are going to be filling you in on everything you need to know about the New York Giants' most important offseason, the one heading into the third year of Daniel Jones and Dave Gettleman. Actually, sorry, it's the fourth year for Dave Gettleman. My apologies for that. Well, folks, thank you for tuning in. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon, uh, at Raptor MKII. Nick, what's your uh, social media handle? I'm the most creative one, okay? It's just at Nick Filato. Uh, perfect. Just like, my, just like mine. Uh, also, hit that subscribe button if you enjoy listening to us and leave us a review. Stay tuned for later in the week. Later in the week, as we will be discussing some of the NFL draft headlines and latest buzz for the Giants. 